1: Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, so jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Mexico is our top agricultural trading partner here in Texas, so it's vital that we protect the flow of agricultural goods back and forth across the border. We'll check in with South Texas Congressman Henry Cuellar to see what he's doing to protect the flow of trade goods across the border. I'll have that story to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the
2: Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas A&M AgriLife is launching a new way to reach out to ag producers in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about the virtual sessions AgriLife will begin offering soon.
3: Texas sheep producers are receiving very good prices for their animals at auction facilities. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
4: Here in the Central Texas Blackland region,
1: it feels like fall. This is Dr. Shay McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Mexico is a very important market for Texas farmers, and keeping that flow of agricultural trade across the border needs to be a priority. South Texas Congressman Henry Cuellar recently sent a letter to the U.S. ambassador to Mexico asking him to uphold the agriculture provisions in the U.S. Mexico Canada trade agreement.
5: Basically, what we were saying was that we got to make sure that we keep the markets open uh, between the U.S. and Mexico, not only in the ag. And I know I did talk to Secretary Bilsack about some ag issues uh, dealing with Mexico. There's a, issues, you know, we always talk about Mexico and immigration and drugs and what happens at the border. But there are some things happening in Mexico that I think we need to pay attention uh, with this administration uh, that they have there, and we got to make sure that we try to keep our markets as open as possible.
1: Cuellar collaborated on the letter with West Texas Congressman August Pfluger and Senators John Cornyn and Ted Cruz. Temperatures are getting cold across Texas, and that increases the chance of prussic acid poisoning in cattle.
6: Texas cattle raisers in Central Texas and further north should keep an eye on the weather over the next couple of weeks as we prepare for, eventually, colder weather. Dr. Calvin Trossel, agronomist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, says prussic acid becomes an issue at the first heavy frost or light freeze on anything in the sorghum family.
5: You have compounds, especially within the sorghum plant, then when you have a heavy frost, a light freeze, you get cell rupture in the plant. And so that releases these compounds, which can develop into prussic acid or cyanide. When this happens, that becomes an immediate issue for animal health. The standard advice for decades has been that when you suspect that you've had a light frost a freeze, then you need to put, if the cattle are grazing on that sorghum type family forage, then the cattle need to come off a minimum of a week Possibly a little bit longer to minimize the possibility that they could encounter some toxic levels of suppressive acid that could endanger animal
6: health. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
1: Wheat planting is wrapping up all across Texas. Jacob Richberg is a pioneer field agronomist based in Plainview.
7: Most of our wheat planting is completed. We are still planting some wheat here behind cotton as we're pulling cotton out. Uh, But overall, most of our wheat has been planted.
1: And while conditions have been dry for getting wheat planted this fall, Richburg says his area has been fortunate.
7: We've had some good October rains. We had uh, inch to two and a half inch rain, depending on where you were at. Give us some good soil moisture and help get a good stand of wheat.
1: Jacob Richburg with Pioneer in the Texas Panhandle. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service is launching a new way to reach out to farmers and ranchers on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt tells us it involves virtual outreach.
2: Texas A&M AgriLife is launching a new way to provide information to farmers and livestock producers in the Texas High Plains. AgriLife Regional Program Leader Danny Nusser says beginning next month, there will be short educational sessions made available through the use of Zoom. The first such session will be December 9th at 10 a.m. with AgriLife weed scientist Peter Dotre as the presenter. Nusser says the topic will be something that many producers are concerned about right now, challenges with acquiring crop protection products.
5: It's been a real issue here uh, all over the state, but particularly up in this part of the world this past year. So getting Dr. Dotre to to have a discussion about what does that look like for the coming year, availability of Of herbicides and some of the pesticides that are out there what are some decisions that we can make or some alternatives that we can make if we don't have some of those products and so what i really want to do is just monthly take a topic like that have a little conversation or education about it and then have some discussion
2: and that's discussion that nusser says will include taking questions from producers who have joined the session If you're interested in participating in that December 9th session with Dr. Dotre, you will need to obtain a registration link. Contact Danny Nusser or your local extension agent to get that link. Something else to know about these new virtual sessions, they are a new way for AgriLife to communicate with producers, but they do not replace the traditional in-person meetings offered by AgriLife. In fact, dozens of those producer education gatherings are coming up over the next several months, and we'll bring you previews about those events as we get closer to the actual dates. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas
1: sheep producers are enjoying a period of strong demand and record prices.
3: Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today is Rodney Cott. He is a sheep producer in Fredericksburg, uh, in Gillespie County of the Hill Country in Texas. And uh, Rodney, thanks for being with us today. And what is the state of uh, the sheep industry uh, here in Texas at this point this fall?
5: Well, the sheep industry is really pretty good right now. You know, we're kind of in a lull selling lambs. Market has been, is good, has been good. People who had spring lambs have moved them people are lambing now for fall lambs. There's a few moving, but but basically, you know, the bulk of the lambs have moved. We moved for very high prices, record kind of prices. Purebred producers have sold rams very well. So, you know, right now the industry is sweet.
3: Let's talk about the market prices for your animals. What are they looking like when you take them to the auction facilities?
5: We basically looked at Almost $200, 200 plus a lamb, you know, there for a while. And, you know, the goat prices are, are really excellent right now. So, again, we've, we've almost got record prices and they've sustained. And most of the predictions are that, that that's going to hold for a while. So uh, everybody's kind of happy. We're, we're a little bit, you know, concerned about the potential of imports coming in. You know, high prices bring other people wanting to bring lamb in, which, you know, could have a problem. But right now, it's, the world is kind of a shortage, so we're, we're in pretty good shape.
3: Rodney, thank you very much. You bet. That is Rodney Codd. He is a sheep producer in the Texas Hill Country. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Fall has arrived in the central Texas Blacklands. Dr. Shane McClellan has
1: an update from Waco.
4: In central Texas, we have had a big change in our temperature. We still are reaching the 80s by midday, some days, but it's not uncommon to start and finish the day with a jacket on. Some areas of central Texas have been hovering around the upper 30s for their nighttime lows. I was in Clifton the other other day and at a livestock show, and it was a chilly 39 degrees. It is the time of year that we could see an early frost. Our historic average first frost is November 22nd. However, in recent years, it's not uncommon to see a frost in early November. Pay attention to the weather forecast so you're not surprised. If we have a forecast in the low 40s, you might take precautions and move some of those outside plants indoors. Cool season forages have taken advantage of the little bit of moisture we've ever received and are growing out in pastures. Volunteer ryegrass is coming up and will continue to grow and do good if we continue to receive some moisture. Many years, our first flush of cool season plants like ryegrass will die back due to not receiving enough moisture early in the growing season. Our Central Texas livestock producers have been planting oats and wheat for grazing since about late September. That's kind of stopping. Everyone is switching over now, they're planting small grains, for grain harvest and that will continue really through the month of November if weather is permitting. Cotton harvest is continuing in Central Texas. There are some that have completed harvest, while others, especially the northern part of Central Texas, they planted a little bit later. Uh, They're about halfway through with their cotton harvest. Yields continue to be good and that's just thanks to that good summer rain that that many of us here in Central Texas were fortunate enough to receive. It's always a a common saying that June-July rain is a million dollar rain for a cotton farmer. This is Dr. Shane McLellan reporting from Central Texas for Texas Ag Today.
6: The state has closed red snapper fishing for the next few weeks. I'm Jessica Duhlmel and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today.
1: And ringworm is a fungal infection that affects many different animals and livestock as well as people. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will have more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture, on Texas
1: Ag Today. Ringworm is a fungal infection that affects many different animals and livestock, as well as people. Dr. Bob Judd tells us these types of infections
9: are on the increase. And It seems we are seeing an increase in ringworm in dogs and cats at our practice although I'm not sure why, it is always important to consider ringworm when your pet has a skin condition with a hair loss and inflamed skin. However, there are other conditions that can have similar lesions as bacterial infection of the skin can also have a ring of inflammation and hair loss. Because of this, it is important to have your pet examined by a veterinarian and tests sent off to the lab to determine if ringworm is involved or is there another infection causing the skin disease? A skin lesion occurs in dogs called an epidermal collarette, and it commonly resembles ringworm, and the treatment for the two diseases is completely different. Even your vet cannot determine the type of infection without testing in many cases. And since humans can be infected, it is important to know the type of infection that is present. To make the diagnosis even more difficult, cats can carry ringworm and transmit it to people or other animals and not show any symptoms themselves. So if anyone in your family develops ringworm, cats may be the origin of the infection, although it could also be another person. Animals get blamed for transmitting lots of diseases when that may or may not be the case. Like in most cases, getting the diagnosis correct is critical, and trying over-the-counter treatments without a diagnosis is likely to be ineffective. There are topical treatments and systemic treatments for ringworm, and sometimes both are required. And don't forget that environmental decontamination is a major part of preventing recurrence of ringworm infection. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The state has closed red snapper fishing for the next few
1: weeks. Jessica Dommel tells why in today's Wildlife Report.
6: Due to potential overfishing two years ago, Texas anglers won't be able to catch and keep any red snapper for the next few months. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, in June of 2019, anglers took advantage of calm offshore conditions in early June and caught red snapper at a higher rate than the year before. This caused the department to close the federal red snapper season earlier than originally planned, but snapper fishing in state waters was allowed to continue. The following year, in 2020, the National Marine Fisheries Service, which allows the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department to establish the opening and closing dates of red snapper season, notified the state that it possibly exceeded its annual allotment of red snapper. After an intensive review, the state was notified that anglers had exceeded the allotment poundage of red snapper by about 62,000 pounds. As a result, the National Marine Fisheries Service says that red snapper poundage has to be paid back. The state filed a lawsuit challenging the Marine Fisheries Service's rule and the methodology it used to calculate the amount of red snapper catches in Texas. Robin Rikers, TPWD's Coastal Fisheries Division Director, says that per the agreement with the Marine Fisheries Service, it is now time for the department to address those overages in order to preserve as many days as we can for red snapper fishing in 2022. Red snapper fishing in state waters, which is traditionally open year-round, will remain closed now until January of 2022. Red snapper fishing in federal waters will remain closed until the summer of 2022. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
1: So how did the markets kick off the week on Monday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
8: It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, farm bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org
0: stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
6: It was an interesting start to the week for our commodities. Most commodities opened the week lower, but they certainly didn't all end that way. Live cattle ended the day mostly higher on demand from packers for fed cattle. December live cattle were down 35 cents to 131.77. February live cattle were up 22 cents to 136.32. April live cattle up 7 cents to 139.97. Feeder cattle were mostly higher Monday as packers are searching for inventory and paying higher prices for it. November feeder cattle were down 32 cents to 155.92. January feeder cattle were up 75 cents to 158.47. March feeder cattle were up 70 cents to 159.87. Box beef was lower: choice down $1.40 to 282.90. Select down 92 cents to 268.61. Now let's check the livestock auctions we're walking the pens with larry marble
8: jody fry had a cattle sale at producers in Cargyle, san angelo on thursday sounds like they doubled up and caught up and had a full house of buyers right jody
7: we did 2020 head was the total it it really felt like fall got them gone in about eight hours though had some groups of bred cows and several groups of those better quality kids had a good strong market was really pleased with it
8: good let's walk the fence
7: compared to last week's sale a good offering of those better quality kids in yearland sold firm to two dollars higher slaughter bulls sold about steady slaughter cows selling those steady to two dollars higher instances could have been a little higher than that had one buyer here actually on hand today those cows were being exported to mexico uh, for slaughter a nice offering of replacement cows they sold sharply higher really good strong demand on those heavy bred cows and the Cap calf pairs we had on offer: better quality steers, 4 to 600 pounds, from 125 up to a high of 185, mostly 135 to 160; 6 to 800 pound steers, from 115 up to a high of near 155, mostly 125 to 145. Better quality heifer kids, 4 to 600 pounds, 115 to a high of op- over $1.55, mostly 125 to 140. Bolder cows averaged to high yielding from 50 to 60. Some of the highest yielding smart cows from 61 to 65. Thinner or lower yielding type cows, still some of those from 30 to 45. slaughter bulls averaged to high yielding from 70 to 82. Just a few of those very high stealing bulls from 83 to a high of 89. Red cows and heavy bred two year olds averaged to better quality from 850 to 1,050. Did have several choice sets of red cows that ranged all the way from 1150 up to a high of 1750. CalcF pairs averaged to better quality pairs. No big numbers of those, but ones that we had uh, from 900 to 1200 had a few choice sets of pairs anywhere from 13 to $1,600.
8: I understand you're expecting a good one again next week.
7: We should. I should have a good cattle sale. One more cattle sale before Thanksgiving. One more sheep and goat sale before Thanksgiving. Good runs expected all. Next week.
8: Tell everybody how to contact Jody Fry.
7: Any of us there at the office at 325-653-3371. My mobile phone would be 234-7895.
8: Neighbor, that's it for walking the pins. I'm Larry Marble. We'll see you tomorrow.
6: All right, thank you, Larry. Block cheese was down a nickel to a dollar seventy with no loads traded Monday. Barrel cheese was up two cents to a dollar fifty-one with two loads traded. That led to class three milk futures trading between 12 cents lower to 10 cents higher on Monday. November class three milk was down a penny to 18 even. December class three milk down 13 cents to 17.49 a hundredweight. Cotton traded mixed for much of the day Monday and ended mostly lower. December cotton down seven points to $1.17. March cotton down 44 points to $1.14. Corn traded weaker through midday Monday and ended the day lower despite strong demand for the crop. December corn down three quarters to 576 and a half. March corn down one to 584. September corn up two to 562 and a half. December hard red wheat up three to 836. March hard red wheat up three to 838 and a half. December natural gas was up 26 cents to 5.05. January natural gas up 25 cents Monday to 5.13. We saw a bit of a drop in crude oil prices Monday due to speculation that the Biden administration will take action to somehow lower gas prices. Some have speculated that that includes releasing crude from the strategic petroleum reserve. December crude oil up 17 cents to 80.96 a barrel. January crude oil up 14 cents to 79.83 a barrel. The financial markets had a strong opening today and then slipped on concerns of inflation. The Dow down 14 points to 36,085. The S&P 500 ended up 97 points higher at 4,683. The NASDAQ was down two points to 15,085. 858. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dommel. We hope to see you then.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify.